India Charts the truth about the markets India Charts publishes Nifty Daily daily video updates the weekly Elliott Wave outlook and the long shot report covering all asset classes Hi everyone this is Rohit Srivastav the founder of India Charts and we are updating for the 12th of November 2021 long gap since we really spoken uh, on the markets and uh, a lot has happened in between caught up with things like an unexpected fever with an unknown source possibly a variant of typhoid but nothing really showed up so uh, that's how life has been and in the interim we've seen one more correction in the markets nothing new so far because we've stayed within the normalized range of corrections that we've had for most of the last year or i should say one year and 9 uh, months because since the bottom of march 2020 we haven't really seen any meaningful correction despite expectations of that and the sentiment towards getting an expectation every time the market dips is rather high the hard part probably for people who would expected a dip to 17800 is that because i thought probably would not go below 18400 or 300 and uh, if you really made that forecast is when you get there what are you really doing because we've hit 17600 Uh, on the downside and from there we are trying to attempt a recovery but a lot of people will start giving up thinking that uh, possibly it's going to fall further and sometimes people don't under, end up taking actions on their own forecasts so that's the that's the real tricky part because sentiment gets to you and the most recent narrative that is floating around is that the big inflation number that showed up in the US is likely to drive up bond yields likely to drive up the dollar and this is the end of the world if it was as simple as that then probably everybody should just sell stocks and go home but we haven't even seen a crash in the us equity markets uh, as of now and this inflation narrative is not new it has come back and forth gone and come again and again since i think jan or march of last year you know so uh, initially when it ticked up to uh, you know 3 to 4% inflation was bad then it went to 5 then it's gone to 6 what is really missing here is the understanding of you know whether inflation is truly transitory or it's secular now if you listen to a lot of uh, macro hedge fund managers i think they've slowly moved to the idea that this is a secular theme going on and uh, this is not something that is uh, transitory as has been you know uh, often expected but i think it's somewhere in between because parts of the reasons uh, that we read about now which is things like supply side bottlenecks and there was a report more than a week ago which said that supply side bottlenecks would actually continue for more than a year you know and uh, uh, that was the expectation uh, you know from uh, some of the central banks and so if uh, that problem is likely to be there for so long how are we going to really expect prices uh, to meaningfully come down even opec itself has you know put a long one year long timeline to really bring production back completely based on how demand plays out so they are not really going to allow prices to fall too much at the same time they are going to expand production unless they really see demand picking up so they'll do it in pieces they'll decide each time whether they should or they shouldn't and that's very much similar to the stance that the federal reserve has also taken on tapering they've not said outright like the last time that this is how much we're going to do and it's a permanent plan and one year we are done and over with what they've said is we are going to move towards a one year target but this is an open ended game we'll go back and forth as and when needed 
which means that moment they see any kind signs of trouble if they feel that oh we've, we've pulled back too much they're going to probably buy more bonds again and if you then look at the reality of the situation where uh, we are not at in a time where the entire support to the economy is coming only from central banks you know so if it was if it was only a monetary policy game then fine that that would be it but this time it has been the participation of governments providing stimulus uh, passing on infrastructure spending plans as in the us us has cleared another bill for another 700 billion or so and another equal amount may be pending and when you have uh, that kind of participation what you what you really end up is in a very very different situation you have a situation where you have a combination of growth and inflation now when has growth plus inflation been really bearish for the markets and that's essentially the reason why uh, the inflation data points have been ignored so far so why should the most recent data point be any different just because it's a new high in the read well yes that can be a slight concern uh, but uh, the high readings could then somewhere flatten out and then just remain there i mean you could remain at five to six percent for you know several uh, months or quarters to come and then what uh, so are you really predicting hyperinflation are you really predicting stagflation and what is your basis of really making that forecast because what's really happening here is you've ended a commodity cycle uh, and a dollar cycle in 2018 to 2020 that two-year period is where you went from the inflation swing a deflation swing towards the inflation swing and the inflation swing then ca can last for many years uh, and then you really have to be right about what that inflation swing is all about is it secular is it along with growth or is it a degrowth period now the fact of the matter is every time we think about equity one of the arguments that is made to most investors to invest in equity is buy equity so that you can beat inflation inflation has been the long lasting problem especially in india it was the only way you would have really been ahead of inflation in, in either the 1990s or 80s when inflation rates in india were consistently on an average long term 7% per annum if you did a 20 year cagr so at 7% per annum inflation over a prolonged period of time of course after the 2000s we have a slightly lower rate but we've also had many bouts of inflation varying at different degrees and when we stimulated in 2008 we even went to food inflation at uh, you know almost 18% but all that is past and what if you have really read any text on economics one of the first arguments uh, that that you come across if you study the history is that a lot of economists really thought that stagflation is not an economic event you know so uh, we hear a lot of people talk about stagflation so easily when it's something that probably has happened only once in 100 years now, there's very little history of stagflation happening in various countries and so uh, stagflation defined as an environment where you know you get high inflation but you are getting degrowth uh, and then who do you really blame the high inflation on and then it's blamed on monetary policy when it's really got to do with the past you know it's got to do with past policy or past growth and when that past growth has consistently gone on for 10 15 years it leads to a high level of inflation then that tends to prolong even after the growth cycle has turned down and then it starts looking like stagflation now that's something which happens in my quantitative study in the economic summer which is what the 1970s were in the us and 1990s were in india so that's again once in a now it's a 80 to 90 year 100 year cycle you know so it's it's once in a 100 year event that you might get stagflation and if you're trying to predict that uh, are you really in an economic summer and the answer is no you've been in a winter and you're trying to move from winter to spring what is winter to spring winter is essentially a period where debts are high 
and it causes degrowth and you're not able to grow anymore. And when you're moving from there to spring, there are two ways you go about it. One is by complete default on your debts and the second is by inflating your debts away. Clearly the plans of MMT, modern monetary policy as they call it, and all the actions taken by the government post-pandemic, which is government spending combination with a QE, which is buying of those bonds because of course if the government is spending more, they need to borrow more money and those bonds have to be supplied and purchased by the central banks. And that's happened in the US. It's also happened in India in the first two quarters of this year. Several lakh crores worth of bonds purchased by the RBI. So in a sense, uh, do you really get stagflation in this environment? So the answer is most probably not because, uh, like I said, most economists rule out stagflation as an economic event or a predictable event. It's something that you can't really call uh, and it rarely happens. So what happens most of the time is some level of inflation as a function of growth because of the spending. And if you're getting growth plus inflation, it's typically positive for equity. And that's why equities have been repriced. Now, that doesn't mean you cannot get an equity market correction, but the correction would not be because of inflation. It would simply be because of its own technical forces and overbought market and over a leveraged market. Too many people went long and had to unwind. And so you end up getting a correction. And again, if you're going to get prolonged inflation, you have plans of further spending and growth ahead, then what are the markets really going to do eventually? They are going to price in that and continue to move further. Because somewhere, uh, what is happening, as you can see in at least the metal sector, is once you've repriced to a certain level, uh, not only the valuations drop, but they're also able to repay a lot of the debt, making them uh, you know, uh, much more risk-free than they were before when they were uh, in the midst of a lot of debt. You know, the debt equity ratios have come down by more than half for some of these companies. And uh, even if metal prices stay where they are, or even if they drop 10% from here, within a year, many of these companies could go debt free. So that's the, uh, that's the situation uh, that we are really in. And that then applies to everything else. And after all, this inflation has not been uh, only about commodity prices. It's really been about everything. You know, you, so, uh, uh, do you think that you're not getting wage inflation? At least in the US, it's very, very clearly visible. You're not only getting growth in terms of hiring, but you're also getting, you know, uh, wage inflation uh, moving, which is uh, people demanding higher wages. I think it will happen in India as well. And uh, when you get prices going up across the board, uh, what you really expect in a stagflationary environment or a degrowth environment is we say well if prices go up people will not be able to buy any goods and services and therefore demand will go down which becomes an untrue factor if really income growth is also there or savings have been there and they're actually willing to spend because they want to enjoy some of that income and they're willing to even pay a higher price for it and therefore uh, the demand destruction that is typically predicted out, out of an inflationary environment doesn't really end up happening and I think that's the environment you're really in it also happened in the early 90s you really have to go back and study what happened after the Manmohan Singh reforms you know what happened is you ended up not only with very high levels of inflation but you also had very high levels of income growth uh, at least in the private sector the public sector did not because of course those are government controlled and then many years later after a lot of pressure the government had to come out with multiple rounds of you got it the pay commission right multiple rounds of pay commissions were executed over uh, several years to bring up public sector salaries uh, in line with what was already happening in the private sector so so that's how uh, the whole thing rolls uh, we are seeing it happen uh, once again 
and therefore if you have wrong expectations on what inflation really means then you'll end up being on the wrong side of the trade which means are you long inflation are you long of this trade okay so if inflation is going to be here and persistent are you long inflationary trades or are you really short inflationary trades that's going to make all the difference in the net outcome that you're going to see in your portfolio over the next uh, couple of years and the long inflation trade really spreads across sectors and schemes because uh, it's no more about any single commodity it's really about the economy as a whole and which is why uh, financial markets are really pricing themselves upwards i mean there's an interesting data point i hear repeated over and over again in the media that the profit to gdp ratio in india is one of the lowest you know so there are many other ratios we can say are very high but here's one that's very very low and one of the most direct impacts of this inflationary trend is the profit to gdp would actually go up and uh, make it far more viable and change the entire scenario and that is what would then end up justifying the higher valuation so uh, if we are in an environment of persistent inflation and you have government spending to get growth back on track it cannot be negative for financial markets or uh, or equity prices in fact equities remain the best bet uh, against inflation or to you know get the most of the upside uh, of this inflation uh, by owning equity so that's uh, the trade i think uh, even if you plot uh, and i do post that chart in my long shot report the sensex divided by cpi inflation over the last 30 years you will see there are phases like all the way into the uh, you know 94 or so you would have had equities outperformed inflation and into the year 2001 you would have seen equities underperform inflation then once again you had outperformance all the way to 2000 and uh, you know 10 11 and then all the way to 2020 you've had underperformance of uh, equity to inflation and then if you look at that chart it's break, broken out right out of that range and equities are outperforming inflation and so that's a fact uh, that is driving this entire move and should be kept in mind we are not in that phase where you know inflation disturbs the entire economy we are in a phase where inflation is a function of the underlying growth stimulus or whatever it is that is going on and rising bond yields are also then a lagged effect of that because what is called a risk on environment a risk on environment is when people start buying equities and start selling bonds and they sell bonds because they are reallocating the bond portfolios towards equities this is what happens in the us market so the risk on risk off trade is essentially the shifting of money out of us bonds into us equities so as and when growth returns people buy more equities they sell their bonds bond yields go up it's a very very natural phenomena to see equity prices go up and bond yields rise uh, at the back end of it and which is why uh, it's not a fear trade to see yields go up in fact the real fear is when yields start going down something that we saw happen last week and then what you saw is a 2 3 day correction in us equity prices so when bond yields fall then you actually start wondering if if the market really worried about something you know why are people buying bonds again because they feel risk averse they want to get out of stocks they want to get out of risk assets and move it back to bonds in the safety of the us treasury now once you change your perspective and start thinking that way you will not be worrying about every 10 basis point move uh, in bond yields Uh, and uh, if you just look at even the indian bond yields they barely moved up i mean it's it's uh, yeah, even if they've moved up they're far far lower than where they were probably 2 3 years ago and they're unlikely to go back where they were at the top end i mean if if there's any sign of a big jump in yields i'm sure the rbi will step in and you know not not like that, let that happen because we are in an environment where at least for india where bond yields are long term headed downwards though in the short term uh, there may be some near term upside because of the Uh, inflationary swings but then uh, inflationary swings in india 
in terms of the data have actually been the opposite. We've actually seen inflation data cool off in the last uh, several months as and when they've been reported. And so India is not really showing the same kind of data points that the US is. And we've also seen the Indian and US equity markets uh, behave very differently in terms of correlation, where uh, say in September, US markets were in, into a deep correction and uh, we were doing really well. And then after that, US markets have rallied and we've gone into a, a corrective phase recently which we uh, hopefully should uh, come out of. So uh, what I'm really actively watching, still watching is the dollar. I'm sure everybody's watching the dollar. Everybody thinks it's going to you know, break out. But if that was the case, why would you have new highs in wheat prices, in sugar prices, in coffee prices, uh, in soybean uh, prices picking up again? Uh, and, when, and I'm only talking of agro. And then you look at the same thing. Are you really seeing an across the board sell off in commodity prices? Okay, you've seen a correction in copper. But if you look at it over the last six months, it'll look like a consolidation and not a crash. And the same thing is true for and some of the other commodities which actually moved higher like zinc and lead. So you have a very, uh, very different environment. None of the markets are really responding to what we may call a potentially rising dollar environment. And after nine months of the dollar rising, I've published a dollar post to India Charts Insiders today. It's only a 38% retracement of the entire fall that the dollar had. Taken nine months to get to 38%, making multiple attempts to move higher. This doesn't exactly look like a strong move. Elliott wave-wise, it looks counter-trend in structure. And so I don't think the bounce is a start of anything. It's just a counter-trend retracement that has lasted for a prolonged period of time, but eventually will roll over to the downside and the dollar will go into a larger third wave decline. So that view has not changed. I've not changed my view on the dollar. I've not changed my view on equities. The only thing is, uh, yes, at some point of time, when do equities reach that end point from where we can get a deeper correction? I think that's the question everybody's asked on and on again. Uh, I'm just not able to sense we are there yet because the sheer rotation, you know, between stocks and sectors that we've seen over the last year continues to happen even to the date right now. I can see individual stocks completing their weekly cycles and starting to pick up again. And when you see those type of charts, you wonder uh, what will really drive uh, the correction. So, so what drives these short term corrections in the market? Essentially, some of the large cap stocks that are overdone turn around and drive it. And then there are others that support it. And so you really don't end up getting something deep. Uh, but we'll continue to look at the Elliott wave structure of the market itself. Each time we complete five waves, I do worry about the potential for that larger pullback. Uh, and if it doesn't show up in terms of an impulsive decline, then I back off again. Uh, we are not at the end of a five wave advance yet. I think the rally that started from April uh, has only pulled back in its fourth wave, which means you have to have one more rally to the upside, whether it'll be right away from here or whether it'll be after some more consolidation is the only question we're trying to answer in the short term. So that's the overall outlook, I think, uh, that I'm having on the market right now. Uh, and uh, the most, uh, you know, spoken about inflation narrative, I think, uh, is fairly misunderstood. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, everyone just rants it, you know, once it starts showing up in some parts of the media, then everybody in the media is talking about it. And then all investors are listening to it and reacting to it. But if you are doing that for all of the last nine months when inflation has been at the top and you probably have missed out on what was the long inflation trade or what I've called the reflation trade and that might not really be over. So that's all from me on this podcast. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. Share it with everyone. And uh, we do have our next round of, uh, uh, you know, mentorship for January. Those who are interested uh, can, you know, just call up or join up on the website. 
uh, we are still of course conducting our last batch which we've not been able to complete yet and uh, we'll continue for you know a couple of more sessions in the next couple of weeks and i'm happy to get back uh, on my feet and do this thank you Nothing in this podcast is investment advice. Views on financial markets are in good faith to expand your understanding of how markets work. Please consult a registered financial advisor for the same. And yes, please share this podcast with everyone you think can benefit from this knowledge. 